Hey everyone, just a little warning before you listen to this episode. The movie we're covering this week deals with some very adult themes and we attack those head on. This may not be the most suitable episode to listen to with tiny ears. So if you've got little ones around, I recommend you pause this and listen to it later when you're alone. Enjoy the show. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. How's your I don't like that going, 366 business. I know. At least we'll only have to that. say that once every four years. <laughs> well, well, 52 times every four years, but yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you guys? (laughs) I'm doing better. I just got over the flu again. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you got it twice. Did you actually get tested for it? Yes, this time. Oh, Anthony. Oh, the first time you didn't. Correct. But it was pretty bad the first time. So it it sounded very flu-y. Plus you didn't get your shot. So, you know. I know. know. This is twice in one year you got got this and did not get your uh, shot. I know. I know. I got my shot and I got zero. Same. Well, now I know for next year. I don't know. This full full week back at work, only two days in, and it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. So rough that first. I'm ready week for back. <laughs> I I did get to record an episode of Christmas Clatter podcast last night with our good friend Todd Killian. Oh, what'd you cover? If you can say. Uh, uh, just a bunch of general random stuff. But he, nice. in it, he asked about the origins of Tis the Podcast. Oh. We have an origin when, story. He should ask each of us. He should ask each of us. That, that's his plan. I, 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 I told him that. I was like, because he wants each of you on at some point, too, this year, like, separately. And I was like, you have to start off each of those conversations with the same question, because I want to see if we all line up or if we all remember it differently. Nice. I like it. That was good. And for those of you who want to hear what I really think about Tom and Julia, listen to the episode. Drops June 15, uh, January 15th. <laughs> <laughs> I like Todd. He's so nice. He is so nice. He is pretty nice. Real quick before we get into this week's film, a few weeks ago, did either of you see... I meant to bring up last week. Did either of you see the Esquire article I posted in our Facebook group that covered the oral history of that incestuous Folgers commercial? I saw, I you post saw it, that I didn't you actually watch it. 
Same. It is such a funny article. Ta- like oh people reflecting on making that commercial and what it's turned into. I highly oh. recommend finding it and reading really? it. Really? Because none of them expected it to go the, the have the legacy it did. And the poor girl who started that commercial didn't even want to comment for this oral history. <laughs> they had the line oh. such and so we reached out to such her. and such for comment and she didn't want to talk. <laughs> I don't blame her one bit. That thing is nasty. <laughs> Speaking of nasty, tonight we are this covering... Nice. Tonight we are covering 2019's BBC FX co-production, A Christmas Carol. I'm not even going to give a quick plot synopsis because it is A Christmas Carol based on Charles Dickens' famous work of the same name. Uh, interesting fact, though, it is the first adaptation of A Christmas Carol, movie adaptation of A Christmas Carol, since Disney's animated one. So since 2009. It's been about 10 years. That is interesting. Yeah. I just figure there has to be like five a year, given how many we've covered so far. <laughs> there were just a few years there where they popped one out every well we, <laughs> well, we know <laughs> well we know they have a musical one coming out next year right is it next year did we with know that with will ferrell as marley what i, I might be actually getting that. two christmas carols mixed up because i think they announced a few but anyway oh man i don't think any of the three of us have a history with this film so Let's just jump into the cast before we give our overall thoughts and really dive into this discussion because a lot of our listeners have been eagerly waiting for us to cover this film despite the fact it only came out a month ago. We've gotten a lot of comments on this and I'm excited to cover it because it's an unconventional take and our conversations about Chris's Carol are always pretty interesting mm-hmm. and lively because it's a story we have a lot of preconceived ideas about so Mm -hmm. cast playing a younger ebenezer scrooge than we're used to is guy pierce uh the manly man with a jaw of (laughs) with a rock solid jaw cutie McHugh face with a rock solid jaw line yep Uh uh-huh We've covered him before in Iron Man 3, so we're not going to go through his credits again. Playing the ghost of Christmas past is Andy Serkis, who I know we've talked about on the show before. I don't know if he's been in anything we've covered before. No, we just talked about him, right? Right. Yep, so, just about so he is probably best known for playing Gollum in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Shut um, up. He was the voice of Snoke? Yeah. Really? I didn't Snoke? know that. He did the voice Sorry. of Snoke in the new Star Wars trilogy, sequel trilogy. I did not know that. He was Ulysses Claw in the MCU in Age of Ultron and Black Panther. He's playing Alfred Pennyworth in the upcoming Batman remake. He was the lead elf in Arthur Christmas, so we could have talked about him. We just didn't realize it at the time. Huh. He, he was in Arthur Christmas. That's what it says. Arthur Christmas, lead elf, voice. <sighs> He, he played Caesar in the Planet of the Apes reboot series. He was he did the motion capture for King Kong in the 2005 remake. He was Do we in remember the, the little of known? Tintin. I never saw that. Was that good? 
That was good. I thought that was cute. I love Chopped. Yeah. I never watched Um, it. Do y'all remember? I know we've talked about 13 going on 30 before because we love Jennifer Garner and that movie is precious and makes me very happy. You remember he he was in it? Yeah, he was a boss. When he does that little spin during Thriller. Yeah, I love that scene. He did. He did. Who's your? What's your favorite Andy Circus? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Is that an option? Is there anything else? Me, yeah. Me too. We're all in agreement. Always my favorite. Might be the only time tonight. Playing Jacob Marley <laughs> is Stephen Graham. He is an English actor, best known for his role as Andrew. Don't know how to say the last name. In This Is England and its television sequels, This Is England '86, This Is England '88, and This Is England '90. Wow. He's in Snatch, Gangs of New York, Public Enemies, The Irishman. He played Scrum in the Pirates of the Caribbean films. He's in Line of Duty. He was Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. So he's been in a lot of pretty big things, actually. I just wouldn't, don't recognize him. He's one of those people that like looks British. Like he just looks it. Like when you see him, you're like, that guy's British. You don't have to open his mouth. He just is. Yes. Do you, but did you guys recognize him from any of those things before seeing him tonight? I didn't. His face was familiar, but I couldn't explain why. Oh, he was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So was I. Was good... <gasps> you were too? Mm-hmm. Were you really? No. Okay. I was like, some. <laughs> no, because Tom, Tom has these stories that start with. Well, they were coming through Tulsa for like a two-hour window, and somehow I started talking to this guy in my shop, and he decided to put me in his movie. Like, it's not outside of the bounds of normal That's whatever fair. that That's you fair. would say something like that. So. <laughs> That's fair. I'm playing Scrooge's sister, Lottie, and also the Ghost of Christmas Present is Charlotte Riley. She's an English actress, best, uh, best known for the roles of Sarah Hurst in Easy Virtue, and as Catherine Earnshaw in ITV's adaptation of Wuthering Heights. Oh, with Tom Hardy. Did you like Tom that Tom Hardy one? with all the hair. I didn't, but it's Tom Hardy, so that's fine. With all the hair. I'm used to seeing him more shaven and bald. Like, he looks so... Exactly. He's, he's weird to me with the hair. He's super weird with the hair. Playing Bob Cratchit is Joe Alwyn. Um, he start he starred in Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk and The Favorite. Have you watched any of those? I don't know what that means. No, Me The Favorite either. I've been wanting to see because it did so well at the goal, at the Oscars last year. And then Mary Queen of Scots looked really good, and I never saw that one. And then the Harriet Tubman movie looks really good. I mean, like this guy's in a bunch of movies I want to see. I just haven't yet. Playing a very different Mary Cratchit than we're used to is Vinette Robinson, who I've known from Sherlock and Black Mirror, and she also Sherlock. played Rosa Parks in Doctor Who. Which episode of Black Mirror was she in? Uh, in the near future, London police detective and her tech-savvy sidekick Blue investigate a string of mysterious deaths with a sinister link to social media. No, nope, not oh, the one I was thinking oh. of. I thought she was in the one where uh, she kept waking up and didn't remember, and it turned out she was on death row when she was being stalked. Oh, one. yeah, I knew she was in that one. That was a that was a crazy one. That was I awesome. watched all of them. Oh, Black Mirror is awesome. I love it. <laughs> Playing the ghost of Christmas future 
is Jason Fleming. He was in Lock, Stock, and Two Broken, Two Smoking Barrels. He was in Snatch, uh, Rob Roy. He was in the Alan Moore comic book adaptations of From Hell and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which Mm -hmm. I did not like either of those. I liked both comics. I did not like either movie. Um, He was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Any Jason Fleming fans here? I recognized him as from from the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but... um, yeah, his face was recognizable. Plus, he's Azazel, isn't he? Azaziel. Azazel. Azazizazel. Azuzel. Don't interrupt, Anthony. Let's just let this keep going. <laughs> he's, from, <laughs> he's from the um, the newer X-Men in the 60s, right? Oh, crap. Let me just scroll and find it. He was in Days of Future Past. I was right. First Class and Days of Future Past. No, he was in First Class. Was he in Days of Future Past? He was a Zazzle. Didn't he have the, the wings or something? Anyway, <laughs> I knew his face. <laughs> I liked First Class and Days of Future Past. I didn't like any of them past that. Yeah. Uh, playing Tiny Tim is Lenny Rush. Franklin Scrooge is played by Johnny Harris. And in the role of Alibaba is Kaivan Novak. It's directed by Nick Murphy who is best known for directing the films The Awakening and Blood. I don't think I've seen any of those. I, did I see The Awakening? I might have seen that. Where are you even seeing? Oh, full casting crew. I'm sorry. There it is. Okay. And it wasn't like front either. and center like it usually is. And the writer of this movie is Stephen Knight, an English screenwriter and director who wrote the screenplays for Closed Circuit, Dirty Pretty Things, Eastern Promises, Locke and Hummingbird, and he is one of the three creators of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He huh. also wrote The oh. Detectives, Peaky Blinders, and Taboo. Wow. He's got some interesting stuff coming up, like World no, War Z Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall thoughts on this film. Mr. T, do you want to kick us off? I'm a little unsure at this moment. Um, I finished this literally right before um, we started chatting. The credits started rolling when I entered our Zoom room. It's dark, and my initial thought is unnecessary, and uh, I don't think I like it. How about you, J-Dog? I so appreciate a veer into left field from the original source material. Um, I really liked this. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Um, I, I mean, this is not standard a Christmas Carol. A lot of liberties are taken, but the way that they expanded most of our characters, not all, um, and some of the background that they filled in that doesn't exist in the original text works really, really well for me, especially the Scrooge stuff. This might be my favorite Scrooge to hate but then also to appreciate the redemption on film. So I, I really liked this one. Hmm. Anthony. That makes me so happy to hear Julia because I, <laughs> I adore this film. I loved it. It started out a little slow for me, but once I got into it, I was into it. I didn't check my phone or anything. I was entertained. And like you said, yes, it's darker. Yes. Say 
took some interesting left turns to the original story, but a lot of the stuff they added worked for me. It really yeah. enhanced the characters without changing the characters for me. And I'm in total agreement. I hated the Scrooge, but by the time we get to the end, I am so happy to see his transformation. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I was sitting up this year on Christmas Eve after church thinking about a Christmas carol and thinking, you know what's missing from a Christmas carol? Pedophilia, prostitution, and extortion. Um, yeah, so I'm glad we were able to incorporate that into the Christmas story. That was really lacking. Um, it gave me the Christmas feels seeing a grown man about to be a boy. So, well, I'll say oh. right now, of all Christmas Carol versions I've ever seen, this one gives me the least amount of Christmas feels. This one I can separate from Christmas more than I can any of the other ones. It I'll, almost I'll feels like this. Scrooge, a story. I'll <laughs> say this. This is probably more, and we talked about this, like when we thought, when we were talking about how this might turn out, we were saying, oh, it looks dark, it looks gritty. I'll say it probably is more realistic as to what, Christmas looked like at the time and just London looked like at the time. They weren't like not over the top, but it still looked pretty in the snow. Yeah. So Yeah, and it felt the, it felt more accurate. And as for your comments about pedophilia and prostitution, it was nineteenth century London. Dude, don't act it was not everything was like that back then. Come on now. But I buy that the Scrooge character went through some trauma like that in his past to become who he is in the present, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start? Let's do it like we covered Alistair Sims' Scrooge, which is basically just run through the characters because the story is the same. And, and, you know, our likes and dislikes for Christmas Carol come down to our likes and dislikes for how these characters are portrayed. Mm-hmm. So how... What did you guys think of Guy Pierce as Scrooge and his version of Scrooge? Tom, you clearly have a problem with the backstory. I just don't see it as necessary. I mean, they were just, there was really just a, uh, I just felt there was, there was this need to push the envelope and make it more scandalous than it needed to be. Um, and I don't really feel that that added a whole lot to the story because his, his anger issues, his real problem, what made him who he was, was his dad. More so than that, that, lie, that line of the that tangent. I don't know. I just I didn't see it as necessary. But it still comes back to his dad, because his dad was the one who made that arrangement with his I teacher. understand, but it still wasn't necessary. So, for me, I like... You love look, Man Boy Love. We know. No. <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to say the addition I really liked was the Scrooge, Mary Cratchit stuff. Like I like in her time of desperation when they couldn't afford to save their son, she turned to him knowing he had the money. And I liked that whole backstory. And she was a desperate mother who had did what she did to save her son. And I like that that gave Scrooge a connection to the Cratchits and tiny Tim before he really, besides just being, Bob's boss. There's this extra layer of connection to them that Bob didn't know about and only Mary and Scrooge did. And uh, I mean, it was wrong. It was twisted by, you know, basically getting her to strip down to see how far she was willing to go to get money for her son. It was wrong, 
but but I liked it. No, I like. First of all, I like that they made Scrooge like. What did he call himself? He was like an experimental mathematician scientist. Mm-hmm. Like he liked studying human behavior and seeing how far mm-hmm. people would go for money. And that fits the character for me. See, because that's he's willing to go very far for money in all these adaptations. So it's interesting seeing, yeah, that curiosity about human behavior in this one to see how far others would go. I liked that. But all that stuff really helped the ending be more poignant for me when he has his redemption. Mm-hmm. And I like that they didn't just have Mary forgive him at the end. Like, he mm-hmm. had his redemption, but she was still appalled by what he made her do, and there's no love lost between them at the end, even. I don't know. Julia, what do you think about Guy Pierce? She looked longingly at him Scrooge. at the end. She looked out the window, wanting Scrooge. She looked out the window, oh, mentioning the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. So did she summon she was them? more work to do. Obviously, she was a witch. She knew who they were. She summoned these people. She's obviously a witch. Which is probably why Tiny Tim had issues to begin with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I like, um, I like Guy Pierce in this one. I like what he does with Scrooge. I mean, I, I hate what he does with Scrooge, but his version of Scrooge is despicable in an entirely different way than the other Scrooges we get where it's a shortened timeline, right? So we know that they're, they're tight, they're cheap. They make people work on Christmas Eve. They have no value for family. Like it's blown wider than that because it's a longer movie and they've taken a ton of liberties, right? Um, I was very convinced by his very clear show of mental illness throughout the entire movie, like his OCD tendencies to count everything and his pragmatic nature in general that would have made him really good at doing a job that involved money, like really good quote. He did terrible Mm -hmm. things with his money, but um, his character was developed really well. And I really liked watching Guy Pierce scared when the ghosts were around, um, hardened when he was in charge. I like the banter between him and Cratchit at the beginning when Cratchit's throwing him some sass, like major sass. I really enjoyed that. Um, and that he was willing, that he wasn't a yelly Scrooge. He's not a yelly Scrooge at all. Mm-hmm. And he I really kind of liked that. Calm menace, which I really liked. That's how he does. It kind of reminded me in its own way of like kind of how Alan Rickman's take on Snape. Like he never raised mm-hmm. his voice. There's always that quiet menace. Like I like yeah. that take on Scrooge. Yeah, this Scrooge seems a lot more mentally unstable, truly diabolical, evil than any of the other Scrooges I've seen. One of the things I want to piggyback off of you, had it not been at the very end for Mary acknowledging the three ghosts, I felt like the entire thing seemed like a psychotic break. All of it seemed like he was having a serious mental breakdown. Like none of this. It's the first time I've, I've watched one of these and I feel like, okay, there are no ghosts. There's no external factors here. This is all some sort of, of psychotic episode that he's having. Um, and had it not been for Mary at the end mentioning the ghost. No, but it just seemed like he was having, he was having a serious mental snap. That, um, and that's how he played it. And that's how it all appeared to me, which I thought was a really cool take. If, and I wish they hadn't had her cast the spirit so I could be wondering, okay, did this really happen? Or did something just really just finally snap in this guy's head? That's a good point. I didn't, I, I didn't really like the Mary Cratchit stuff. 
Um, I wish they could have found a different way to show her devotion to her children, willing to do anything. Um, but I, I mean, I get how they dealt with it, amplified everything, right? Like I get that. Um, I mostly don't like her and Bob not being like happy. Yeah. Well, I'm not just happy. Well, I would, happy, I would like, but, but that she has say, these I wouldn't secrets say, from him doesn't make me happy. But there was like this, this. But I felt like the way she played that was, the way she played that for me was like kind of true to life. Like in terms of like women who have these traumatic experiences or people who have traumatic experiences in general who don't feel like they can talk to even their significant others about it and it eats them up on the inside. Like but that, that was, was, that was a deviation that I didn't like from the original story. Like, despite what was going on in their life, despite how hard things were with Tiny Tim, Bob Cratchit was always a positive character. Mary was always positive. Like, it just showed uh, the goodness of humanity that was kind of, there was no well, goodness of humanity throughout this whole film. Everybody, Bob, everything was Bob was positive in this. Mm-hmm. But he, he was, was positive. Still, there were and still it's problems not- in their marriage, though. Like, it was, I don't well, know. And, and Mar- Mary... Fair, I'll give you that. She wasn't a positive character, but they played on, they pulled the string from the original story that she never liked Scrooge. And they basically Mm -hmm. explored why did she have such animosity for him besides the fact he was horrible to her husband. I think that how horrible he was to her husband would have been enough of a story. Anyway, I was was fine with Scrooge's, I liked that to what you, to both of your points that they played it like a, his mental illness his clear mental illness and given what he went through as a child being left at school over christmas breaks by his father and being sexually abused by the headmaster like that's going to mess anyone up in the mind mm-hmm. and that was it was dark but again i felt it fit with this it fit with the character to me mm-hmm. and yeah. i liked that so I like the little bit about how he took solace in his reading, the Alibaba character. Like he took solace wishing this character would show up and save him all these times at mm-hmm. school. So I loved that the ghost of Christmas past transformed into him at one point, which mm-hmm. I thought was cool. The ghost was transforming. I liked that aspect. But I also thought it was cool later on in his life. He's still using phrases like open sesame and stuff, like sarcastic, mm-hmm. like to open his bank vault. And so I like mm-hmm. that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that was cool. That present part was fun. And it really did show how lonely he was. That mm-hmm. like all he had was a literary character from a book that he would read over and over again. And that was his only escape was reading. And they did a really and good it- job of isolating him. Well, it's sad that he didn't know how much his sister actually cared. He didn't know she pulled right. the gun on his teacher to protect him and threatened him not to come after them. Yeah. When she picked him up from school. I really like that. How would she have known all that, though? Like, that's another thing that they left. Known that the dad was doing it all that time? That, well, that he was getting hurt like that all the time. Like, he was, getting, he was putting his son in, heart, in harm's way like that. I assume I the mother assume, knew, too. Yeah that they knew they couldn't pay tuition. So how is it happening? And the dad was despicable. And so I'm sure, and when they kicked him out, I'm sure it was because it came to a, a head and they figured out all this stuff that had been happening. And that's what precipitated her going to get him. So I think one of the best acted pieces in this film is Scrooge's redemption at the end. 
But like before he goes, like wakes up and it's all crazy. I love the scene where he's sitting at the graves with Marley. Mm-hmm. That conversation too. between the two of them is so well acted. And when Scrooge said he doesn't care about what changes and what happens to him as long as he lives and he points to Tiny Tim's grave and he's like, you can see the emotion on his face and feel it in his voice, hear it in his voice. Oh, it gave me chills. And it really showed that he changed because he said, I don't care what happens to me. I just want mm-hmm. him to live. I yeah. love so, that scene. And you did notice he was yeah. leaning in the pee, right? Yeah, he was. Okay. So it was yeah, Marley sure for that matter. We all noticed they were sitting in pee. They were. <laughs> um, I like, so I didn't think about it until this version, but in every other Christmas Carol version, Scrooge is so struck by seeing himself dead, by seeing his tombstone, by seeing, you know, everything that's self-centered around him dying. And that's what kind of snaps him out of his Scrooginess. I really, 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 really liked with this one that when he saw himself dead, he's basically like, so that's me and I die. And what? That like, that was not what precipitated any of his change. That the dying was like, no, like, I don't, I don't care that I die. It really was completely focused on others. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly successful for me. I mean, that, that, that really made the scourge for me. And that made me very happy. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, it's a, like you said, Julia, it never occurred to me until watching this one, how mm-hmm. his change in the other ones, while he becomes a selfless person, the thing that snaps him out of it is a very, selfish thing like his own death right what did you guys think of any circus as christmas past i thought he looked like how christmas past in this one that was was long too much christmas past it drug on it yeah like it felt long Uh, when you were kind of in the heat of the moment like when he's in the when they're showing the part in the weaving factory um and how it all turned to money like that was very cool but like it, it felt like we were in past like a really long time. Well, we and not we just should, because we, should we also spent a good amount of time with Marley alone as well. So like the very beginning is focused on Marley and, and there's more well, we Marley sh- in this cool. one. We need to Marley. remember that like this, while it's a movie in America, this is the three episode miniseries yep. in England. That's why it's so long and why... Yeah watching it as a movie it does feel like extra long at certain points because this is three episodes essentially edited together well a cooler yeah. way to have done that would have been to give him more time to present and future we spent a disproportionately right. long time in the past like all the different layers i, will, I am gonna agree i'm gonna agree with you but at the same time say past is always the longest ghost it is it is but there was we didn't have Fezziwig, which was sad in this. You know what's funny? I didn't even notice that. Until oh, I did. We didn't, we didn't go to Fezziwig. And I, and I love Fezziwig. Well, and the, I the think whole that idea wouldn't the, that doesn't fit with this Scrooge. I know, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, I get There's that. No humanity in the film. It's all just bleak despair until the very end for everybody, and it's awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I um, I thought it was. Interesting, they made Christmas past look like how Christmas present usually does with the robes and the crown. But just like crunchy. I cried at the end of this movie twice. Uh, at the redemption? Yes, at the redemption. And then 
I can't remember the other part. I think it's when he's in the house with the cratchits, probably. But yeah, I cried big time. Was totally surprised at that moment. So I watched this for the first time on Christmas Eve morning. Um, Cuddled out on the couch watching it, and it was a perfect way to kick off my Christmas Eve. Nice. Yep. It's, it still did give me the Christmas feels. I, I agree with you. It's the least Christmassy of them all, but the story mm. itself, by virtue, yeah. Scrooge is as synonymous with Christmas as the Grinch or Snoopy. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. It, he is, absolutely. I like how they tied Marley and Scrooge together in this film. Like, Marley couldn't get out of purgatory until he changed Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because Marley wasn't doomed to haunt people forever. He just needed to change Scrooge. That's another left turn. That's the one I'm not so sure how I feel about it. What, like that a- he, he was able to pass on at the end? No, I thought that was stupid. Yeah, I didn't love that. They can't move on. I think because that that's not how that would work for me. Like if purgatory was a part of my belief set, right? It wouldn't be somebody else's redemption holding up my one-way ticket to heaven. It'd be mine, right? But like that was like the sliver that I could have done without. You know what I mean? What I really liked about Marley was that he's not just straight up walking around with chains on doomed to forever walk the earth and lament. I like that he had the ability to take some action. I appreciated that very much. I liked seeing that. I like that his torture was not being able to rest in his grave literally because like a, uh, that would suck big time. I mean, <laughs> like the I guy. Like, I liked like, his dry humor. He had a good like dry, a dry humor, humor too. Like there after some, past came back and he's like, I'm going to be stuck here forever. There was yeah. some good wet humor as well at the beginning. There was a fair amount of wet humor. Yes. Wet. <laughs> the pee dripping <laughs> on his face. Yeah. I liked his jaw falling off. That's something we've seen mm-hmm. before. And it was a very creepy effect. Yes, it was. And I like that his face didn't come out of the knocker, that it like transformed into a metal version of his face, which I thought yeah. was kind of fun. I thought the cinematography in this film, while dark, was very beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I, I loved the look of London, and I loved Scrooge's house. Like, mm-hmm. just how cold and empty and dark it was. And yeah, on the outside, brick and covered in snow, and it looks like it could be inviting, but the minute you go in and it's like... Sparse and cold. I like how often you see him peering out the window and the ice melts because it's inside. (laughs) It's icy inside of the building, which I loved seeing that because, you know. But yeah, that was always, that was neat. It was a good effect. And he looked super pasty, looked terrible. So that was also really good. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that they made the ghost of Christmas present, his sister. The ghost of his mm-hmm. sister. Yep. I liked that. I liked it too. It's just interesting that they, like you would feel if they did something from his past, it would have been the ghost of Christmas Pat. You know what I mean? But I yeah. found it interesting that the ghost of Christmas present was his sister. Well, I mean, it was, <clears throat> it was probably arguably the one person on earth that he was close enough to, to connect at any point. Right. Even though he, you know, fully admits that he didn't connect because he didn't well, know what she knew when she got him out of school and all that stuff. But 
he, I, I thought it worked and I liked her. She was gentle as a present, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then I liked that she called out the counting thing, you know, that she was almost like an encouraging present, which present is usually positive, but she was a different kind of presence, you know? Yes. Very motherly. She wasn't as like present is usually positive, but he's still stern, right. still grabs him by the robes and like, right. you know, forces him to watch these harsh truths, like physically forces him, like just holds him there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I don't think that um, he would have, that she would have been a good fit here had it not been for what we just learned and he was regretting how he treated and engaged with his sister. Right. It was like his interactions with her, whether that was really her or ghost, psychosis, whatever, his, um, his interaction with her, though, was, was a, a prequel to, the, to his uh, redemption story, I felt like. Yep. I did and like then- at the end of their meeting when he finally sits down and tells her, like, I didn't know and and thank you know he thanks her for what she did but then he makes these qualifications and excuses for his behavior again so we still have a scrooge that like doesn't quite get it like come on guy well well at I what think point that shows, do you get it that shows his humanity a bit because i feel like people are like i feel like that's a very a human thing to do right like even when you admit you're wrong people tend to make excuses for themselves well sure but then by the third ghost he admits he was wrong to a point where he's like, I can't be redeemed. Yeah. Everything that I've done is wrong is so wrong that there is no redemption. So it shows the stepladder progression. And I liked her response to it because like present usually like screams at him and then shows the creepy kids under his robes. And I hate that part. But like, she was like, hot tip. Don't use excuses with the next guy because he's super freaky. <laughs> I mean, she like yeah. laid it down for him. She's like, yeah. Just tip, brother. I love you. Don't do that with the next guy. He's honey badger. Oh. <laughs> well, what I found interesting is like, even though he was making excuses, he knew. He knew already. He did. Like even back in past, like he did not want to watch his past self do what he did to Mary Cratchit. Yeah. Yeah. The growth in Scrooge is great. I mean, he did a really good job. Um, we didn't talk about in past the the bit with his dad. That was a, that's not in the original, um, the, the mouse with the bell around his neck and, and his dad being one of the ghost of Christmas past iterations and it scares him half to death. And his dad mm-hmm. is terrible, like terrible. Absolutely. Um, and it fills in very nicely where Scrooge gets some of that, right? He was raised 100%. to believe this was the way and. He was so affectionate towards that mouse when he yeah. first saw him and kind of weird to see him turn on a dime. I thought it was sweet. I mean, think about, no, I mean, how kid never got he anything. He was so sweet to it. And then he just chunked it out the window and hit the, hit the wall. Right. He did. And then he cowers in fear two minutes later when he hears his father coming through the house. Mm-hmm. Some major trauma in this guy's life. Yep. I thought it was interesting. I liked so I liked Tiny Tim. I did too. I thought this he was, was a good sweet. Tiny Tim for me. And I liked the change that it wasn't his sickness that killed him in the future. Me too. Mm-hmm. I did too. Scrooge, the Scrooge's money saved him already from his sickness, and in the future he falls through the ice and mm-hmm. yep gets sick and dies. And I really like that. Yeah, I like that too. 
And I like that that shows him. Wait, wait, wait. In the future, he falls in the ice and dies. I like that. I like that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like that actively actively shows Scrooge, like, save him at the end when he goes Mm -hmm. to the Gratcha house and, you know. And he sounds like a father in that moment too. And he's like, do not (laughs) go on the ice. So help me. Stay away from it. I thought that ice set was very cool too, like behind the village. I just thought it looked cool. Like I'd want to ski on there. Yeah. But then you'd fall through the ice and then we have to end the podcast. That would be sad. <laughs> Why? Oh my gosh. Why do we have to end it? Does that take us into Ghost of Christmas Futures? Yes. Okay. So tiny lifeless Tim body hanging in the ceiling of his office creepy like, dude <laughs> yeah terrifying yeah. perfect ghost of christmas future moment there like yes <laughs> yep. scare me half to death and he was scared he you could tell he was he was wrecked at that moment like he knew at that point what his yeah. job was and i liked the guy who played the ghost of christmas future i thought yeah yeah he did the job yeah so instead of for those that haven't seen it instead of the black shrouded can't see their face character He's got a top hat on and like normal clothes, but his mouth is sewn shut. And he doesn't look particularly frightening. I mean, you can tell he's future because his lips are sewn shut. He still doesn't talk like all the others. They don't talk. Um, but, you know, but you know who he is. I don't know. There was, some, there was something intense about his eyes, like his stare. Yeah. Like, he was effective. Yep. I like that they didn't do the bed sheet. Again, it's like they took the focus off Scrooge dying. And I like that all of that focus was taken off. You didn't have all the stuff where people are selling his bed sheets and they're cackling about him being dead. Um, all throughout the movie, you have people that just jeer him along the way. Um, but I like that wasn't a focus in this well, movie. I, what I liked is it's always a question in the adaptations of how far into the future they're looking Mm-hmm. And when he takes him into the future, Scrooge, so little has changed. Like, Scrooge thinks it's the next day. Like, he's dying the next day. Tiny Tim's dying the next day. And I like how immediate the future is. That, like, mm-hmm. he does not have time to change. Like, hardly has time. He has to change now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's telling we haven't really talked about Bob at all. Mary Cratchit was more of an entity in this one than Bob was. I, although I thought yeah. it was interesting that Mary Cratchit's decision to go to Scrooge for help with Tiny Tim it's kind of explains why Bob's been there all these years because Scrooge said, I need him to work for me for five years now. Which was so sick, was a, too. It was sick. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I also liked that I also like that when Scrooge comes in, he's had all the visitations. He sprinkled the gravel on the ice to keep kids from using it, right? So he effectively protects Tim at that point. Um, or ruins Christmas, I, depending on the well, <laughs> I mean, kids' life, Christmas, that's not a hard balance for me to. Um, I like when he bursts in, and instead of telling Bob, I'm giving you a raise continue to work for me. I'm a happy person now. It was, I'm shutting the business down. 
because the business I do is bad business. Mm-hmm. It's hurting people. I it's really like that. I do too. Yeah, that was great. And he and he gave him this blessing to work somewhere else so that he could be in a you know a better job, more money. You would kind of assume it's a better position too. He's not like a just a underling and. I like that a lot. And he just gave him 500 pounds on top of it, which is probably like yep. how much back then? Oh, no, just a lot. A lot, a of, lot money. of money. Well, a lot of, it has to be a lot of money if 30 pounds cover a tiny Tim surgery. <laughs> right. So we are taking it that Mary Cratchit summoned these ghosts to scare <laughs> Scrooge. Is that, how the, is that how you interpreted the ending? Totally. How else would she have known exactly who came and why? I don't know. I I think it, I think it could be interpreted as maybe she herself was visited by them in the past, and she recognized the result. I think it's intentionally ambiguous, right? It's the make your own conclusions. I don't like thinking of her summoning ghosts, frankly. Uh, so when she says that to him, I'm a woman, and I can, you know, after the whole thing, I'm a woman, and I can I can do these things and summon these ghosts. I don't. I, I didn't love that. <laughs> right. And I don't, I don't like the idea of her summoning the ghosts. I want the ghosts to be summoned because, I mean, if we're, if we're keeping our path, our plot path that's been set before us, the ghosts were summoned because Marley needs to be freed from his chains so that he can actually rest. So it's like it, they, they conflict and I don't enjoy <laughs> that. And I don't, again, I mean, I said it earlier, I don't love Mary's predicament in this one. Um, I understand maybe why they did it. It's not my favorite part of the movie. I could have done without that part. Um, so I don't know. It didn't. It. Mm. I took it I, as um, a cheeky end of the movie, and I didn't think too much about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a different end of the movie. Like in every other adaptation, I mean, they say right in the book, Scrooge becomes the second father to Tiny Tim. Mm-hmm. But it's very clear in this one, the Cratchits want nothing to do with Scrooge still at the end, despite his mm-hmm. redemption. Which I was fine with. I liked how that all played out at the end. And like yeah. you said, Julia, I like that he kind of, quote unquote, set them free at the end. Yeah. And it was nice. I don't remember what the quote was. And I, I didn't look and see if it was posted. But I did like that Mary says, um, you know, like basically, you know, this doesn't mean, you know, giving us all this money doesn't mean that it's okay what you did. Right. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're going to forgive you or whatever right and i like his response that and you also know that um whatever he said basically i don't care i'm not worried about the past my focus is the future yeah something like that but like in a better way <laughs> in a way that you're like that's elevated good job guy you got your priorities straight <laughs> i can't think of what he said but i was like okay that seems realistic given the movie you've shown me up until this point or the mini series I've watched in continuum up until this point. Yep. So did you know who was originally cast as a ghost of Christmas future? Who? I did not. Rutger Hauer, but then he died right before filming. So they, recast. Oh, that's sad. Yep. That? He would have been Rutger. Rutger Hauer. Oh. You know, if you've seen him, he's been in oh, a bunch of stuff. Oh, that guy. Yeah, I didn't know he died. Yeah, okay. he would have been good. Die. He he got sick. That's too bad. This film, I know we don't pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes, only has a fifty-four percent. A lot of people said it felt more Shakespearean than Dickinson, Dickensian. And I can uh, see that. Yep. 
A lot of critics said it was very, it was very uh, joyless and dour. It's very dour. I could see that as well. Yeah, it was very dour. It felt like, I mean, I, that's funny that somebody said that. It feels like a Shakespearean tragedy, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you know, his tragedies were my favorite. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> it's cold and bleak <laughs> and I get joy at the end only out of the redemption. Is this a Christmas movie? It's a movie it's set a Christmas at Christmas. Movie. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, I got to go with the Christmas Carol. It's a Christmas movie. I have a hard time um, with it, though. Not a bit of it feels Christmassy. No, not a bit feels Christmassy to me. Either. Every other Scrooge we've covered has Christmassy feeling elements. Even All American Christmas Carol had more Christmas feels in it than this did. I'm going to rest on... Well, I said earlier and say this is probably more true to what it looked like at the time. And the story itself and Scrooge himself are synonymous with Christmas. Christmas, Christmas trees were huge today. at this time. Victoria had already in, made Christmas trees a thing. They were a big deal in Victoria and England. We don't see Christmas trees. It's a Christmas film. <laughs> we don't have a single Christmas tree. It's a Christmas film. The, the Christmas feels is going to hit my ranking, unfortunately. Maybe watching because, it yeah. on Christmas Eve made it feel more Christmassy to me, but I liked it. I thought it was Christmas. Well, and there is also that argument, right, that A Christmas Carol was designed to be uh, a ghost story because ghost mm-hmm. stories used to be popular to tell at the time, even though they're not on, anymore. Yeah, on Christmas Eve. When spirits would prance about, have all their funs. Mm-hmm. Um, but from from my target Christmas heart, <laughs> it feels no Christmassy to me at all. Aside from the fact that it is a Christmas Carol at its heart, so it's a Christmas movie. It has no Christmas feels to me. Does it pass the line of test? Yes, obviously. Yes, it does. Flying yes, colors. It does. So do we want to rank it? I'm going to kick it off and give it a 9.5. What? Boom. Wow. wow. That's high. Which, for those keeping track at home, is my second favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol on our movie list. And your first is? Scro- oh, Scrooge was 10. And Robert Zemeckis's was 9.1. That's so. what I couldn't remember. Okay, so I feel like a broken record because it'll be the second time in two weeks I've said I really like, or last week it was I love, right? Really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think it's a Christmas movie, but by virtue of it giving me no Christmas feels, I'm dinging it. So I'm going to come in at a 5.2. 3.1. I hate you, Tom. I I I Sorry, it's just not, it's not doing it for me, dude. That gives us an average of 5.93, which puts it at number 31 on the list between The Family Man and Christmas with the Cranks. Can I lower my vote to get it lower? Oh my gosh, no. You can't do that. So, Maybe we need like an asterisk system where, like, I'm serious that it's agony for me putting numbers on things. So I'm going to say that we need to change our our system entirely and just do it like the film strip does where we just say we really loved it we loved it we kind of liked it we hated this sucker 
so we don't have to agonize over these stinking numbers because it's rough. It's rough. It is, it is rough. Because then I could have said, it's a wonderful life. It gets like the extra large sugar cookie or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to know what size sugar cookie you all, you all <laughs> give this film. Uh, did you like it? What did you think of the changes with regarding Scrooge's backstory and Mrs. Cratchit and Marley? And pedophilia uh, and prostitution. <laughs> Did, did you? Did How does you that find it, your Christmas feels? Did you find it joyless and dour? Let us know on our social medias. You can go to tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook slash Twitter slash Instagram slash Reddit slash Facebook group and find us all there. Uh, Reddit and our Facebook group in particular, be active. It's January. We're all suffering those Christmas blues. Uh, <laughs> let's get it through it together and, you know, keep that Christmas spirit alive all year round. This was not the right movie to deal with in the Christmas blues in January either. I'm just going to say we picked a bad time to play this movie. <laughs> but FX is pulling it in like 40 days, so. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. This did feel very January. Dude, you Cold, cannot say this was not depressing. Dark. <laughs> Wrong. Tom, <laughs> uh, um, since you are so talkative tonight, how about you tell our listeners about Patreon and what they can get and what we have in the pipeline coming up for them? All right, we've got a lot of content on there for you. We're working on some additional um, cool patron-only content. You can expect to see something new every month in 2020. That was our New Year's resolution. Ah, speaking of which, did you see Disco 54's idea for what our show's resolution should be for 2020? Yeah, it's a good idea. Okay, here we go. It's clear what you can do as an improvement in the podcast this year, a live watch along. We can all gather together, watch something and really rip the piss out of it and each other. It'll be glorious. I told him I like his way of thinking and he replied, Hallmark watch along and all roast Tom Crow. I can feel my heart grow three sizes. And Jerry Davila came to Tom's defense and said, I'll get Tom's back. He's a rad dude. I like Jerry a lot. I've talked to him for a long time today. <laughs> Jerry's awesome. I love Jerry. I love Jerry. Just marry him. Why don't you? I love all our listeners. Tom, Maybe I will. We also got more. Co- we also. I also got comment and a private message from listener April Morrison Riley. She messaged me saying we had a great trip in New York. Hope you're feeling better. Side note, I'm catching up on the podcast. And finally, someone else who hates White Christmas. I can't stand this movie. So April. Oh, man. I'm glad that there's somebody in my corner on that one. Next week, we are venturing into television territory. And we will be covering Frasier's Christmas episodes. Or at least some of them. We will get out a list of the ones we are doing in advance so you can watch. And the week after that, we are doing Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Christmas episodes, which is... your sex tape. I'm excited. Uh, title of your sex tape. And, yeah. and oh just to get people even more excited, the week after that, 
We are finally re-recording an episode that was lost to the ether. And, and, and I will be reliving my own personal Groundhog Day when we recover Pete's Christmas. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Yay! I'm excited. <laughs> we, oh, God. Okay. At least the ranking is already done. None of us have to stress about our numbers. Yes, that's true. Although Anthony's going to go on a long tirade about, or a, a long rant about how this was what he rated it back then, but now having more time and thinking about it more and comparing it to what we've done since, he's going to change his rank, ranking. No, no. I, I, then, I, or, okay, you at least talk about how would you want to change your ranking. <laughs> Be, and well, I think we'll we just start picking out, I would say at least once a month, one of us complains about our ranking. Tom, I think you take that more than anyone. Uh, you, you express your regret the most. Like, oh, it's too hard on this. I know. It's only two movies, though. What were they? The Star and... Nativity Story, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. You know what I do know, though? There are only 8,352 hours until Christmas. That's 348 days. That is 49 weeks. We are out of the 50s. Yay! Look at that. You know what, though? It depresses me because right now we're not barreling towards Christmas. We are barreling towards yeah. spring, which means summer. Now, you know In what? Summer. summer. Summer, like spring feels long to me. Summer, once you hit the 4th of July, that's what, as soon as Target pulls out the back to school stuff, that's when it feels like it's the But you're not hitting like 115 degrees for three months straight after July 4th either. So That's true. That is true. And for that, true story. I am grateful. And with that note, I am going to go enjoy watching the snowfall outside. Maybe that'll ease my Christmas blues a bit. So well. do your homework, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. It paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. And the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed, is the one that we call Scrooge. Yeah. Unkind as any, and the wrath of many. This is Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grim. If they gave a prize for being me, the winner would be him. Old Scrooge, he loves his money because he thinks it gives him power. Folk live in misery. It's even worse for mouses.